Now, if you guys saw Space Waves, you know how much of a geek these two guys up yeah. here are oh, yeah. about space, about anybody who's been up in space, right. anything involved with it. Uh, I'm Dooner. That's the dude, Michael Vincent. And we're talking to Terry Virch. He's former NASA astronaut, ISS commander, and ambassador for Veanos. And, you know, this guy, this guy has spent 213 days in space. He also spent two weeks up there. He's got a new book, How to Astronaut, an Insider's Guide to Leaving Planet Earth. And uh, I was actually just listening to your Joe Rogan, Terry, and you were saying that um, two weeks wasn't a long enough time to be in space, but 200 days was maybe too much. So my first question is, what's the perfect amount of time to be in space? That's a good question. I think, actually, that years of talking to my colleagues, um, a few guys have gone up for a few months, maybe two or three month flight, and they that seemed to be the sweet spot because it's not there for too long. It, it's not Groundhog Day, but you're there long enough to get really good at it. When you go up on a shuttle flight and it's only two weeks, um, it's just not enough. You're still learning curve is still up and there's still more that you want to do. Although to be honest, 200 days was pretty good. I'm, I, I was glad I had that opportunity. It was, you know, I could have stayed there for a year if they needed me to. Wow. So, so when you come back, what, I mean, you, you get used to it. You're there for 213 days. You come back, you take time to get your terrestrial legs back underneath you or what? Well, it's pretty funny. So we landed in Kazakhstan on the Russian Soyuz capsule. It was a 24 hour trip back to Houston. Uh, and as soon as I got to Houston, I went to the gym and did my rehab. And then, um, I had, I had teenagers. And so my son had gotten his driver's license while I was in space so he said, dad, let's go car shopping. So I got in the car and he drove to the Ford dealer and um, it was fine. Like I was really worried that I would be sad or miss it or, you know, have some kind of, I wish I was in space. I didn't feel like that at all. It was fun to be on earth. It was like in space. It was, it was great. Now I'm back on earth. It's great. There's good things down here on the planet. Um, so it wasn't this, the stress that I thought it would be. You know, I'm from I'm from Boston, and you were you were in the national International Space Station. I, I heard in uh, February of 2015, and you honored Leonard Nimoy with uh, you know a little Vulcan symbol up there on yeah. the uh, space station. Tell me a little bit about that before we uh, start talking telescopes. Yeah, so I had been there for a few months. We were doing spacewalks. Um, it was the day before our third spacewalk. We were doing three spacewalks in a week, which are super, super, super busy. There's just so much to do to get the equipment ready study. And I got this email from the NASA public affairs guy. And he said, Hey, Terry, Leonard Nimoy passed away. Uh, Mr. Stock, Mr. Spock had died. Can you do something? And I was like, ah, I didn't have time. I'm doing a spacewalk tomorrow. I got no time for this. So I went down to the cupola, which is this big observation module, seven window dome. And I just got a picture. I had to fiddle with it for a long time to get my hand and earth exposed and in focus. That's not easy. And I, I took the picture and I just posted it on Twitter with no words or anything. I just posted Vulcan salute yeah. um, and it got huge attention. It got millions of followers and, you know, likes and cause everybody loves Spock. He was amazing. He was a cultural icon. Uh, and what I didn't know, if you look at that picture, you can find it on Google really easily. And it's not me. You can't find it with me. It's just the picture is honoring Spock. If you look behind my hands, there's a snowy coastline with a little hook, and that's Cape Cod. So then there's Boston background, and Leonard Nimoy was from Boston. So that was totally not my doing. That was not my intention. I just randomly got lucky, and I'd rather be lucky than good sometimes. 
Wow, it's a heck of a coincidence. <laughs> he is pretty good, though. He yeah. is pretty good. You know what else he did? So he circumnavigated the globe, right? Oh, yeah. Record time with eight yeah. other people a, a, by airplane. Only last year, too. Oh, yeah, last year, 46 hours, uh, 40 minutes, and 22 seconds. But the interesting thing, over the poles. Wow. Wow. What, makes that, yeah. what makes that more difficult than uh, your traditional sort of just around the globe? That was, that was a blast. I got to, that was my first movie I directed. One, it's called One More Orbit. It was really cool. But the documentary about that, when you go over the poles, uh, the distance is about the same. But the really hard thing is there's no landing strips over the poles, right? There's not JFK up there at the North Pole, <laughs> especially not the South Pole. So the leg between where you take off and where you land has got to be a really long leg. And in the July, we did it in honor of Apollo 11. So July 20th is the anniversary. So we did this in July, which means it's wintertime or dark in the South Pole. So we went from Mauritius, which is this island in the Indian Ocean, all the way to the South Pole. To get the record, you actually had to fly physically over the pole. And then we went up to Punta Arenas, which is the southern part of South America. That was a long flight. It was, I think it was about 14 hours. Um, and so we had, we used this <coughs> Gulfstream G650, uh, which is the most amazing business jet. It's just incredible. But it, one of the reasons we picked it, because it had long enough legs to fly that leg over the pole. That's, that's a tough leg that you can't do in most airplanes. Okay. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, very cool. you, you know what? So we did our top 10 What the Trucks of the Year, and we were mm -hmm. mentioning NASA and Space Race, but our favorite episode was the SpaceX Demo 2 launch. We worked with NASA, our friend over there, Mark Weiss, um, as we launched Americans from American soil back up into space after the first time in nine years. That has to have you excited too, right? Yeah, it was it was good. It was it was more like uh, there's a video of LeBron when he finally won his won his uh, title. It's about damn time. So that was kind of the that was kind of the you know it, we had been waiting for that for a long time. And there's a lot of I think happiness, but also relief. Like we're finally flying in space again, which is which is good. Excellent. So should we talk telescopes a little bit? Well, yeah, because I, I think event like what does Mark yeah. always tell us? He says events like these events, even like conspiracy, even the obelisk, they make people look up to the stars. They do. So they don't shy away from them. You were even making jokes with us before we came on air about, uh, you know, your hand blocking out a light flash and, and Stanley yeah. Kubrick and the moon and all of that stuff. That has to be really exciting. Tell us about this telescope. It's really fantastic. Oh, it's amazing. So um, Valnus reached out to me recently about this new telescope that they have. Uh, it's more than a telescope. And I've been a space nerd since I was a kid. Uh, when I was in middle school, my parents got me a basic six inch reflector telescope. And so I had to teach myself the sky, where the stars are, where the constellations are. And it's great, but you know, you're looking through an eyepiece. It's a pain to lug this big 50 pound telescope out. I had one that probably weighed 70 pounds here in Houston. And you look at the planets and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then there's never anything more than that because there's a lot of deep sky objects like galaxies or nebula, things like that. That Those are the amazing things. When you look at Hubble, that's the stuff you see and you're like, wow, you can't see that in a normal telescope without some expensive camera gear and a lot of knowledge of what you're doing and a lot of effort every time. Well, Vaonis has these telescopes, the Stellina and the Vespera, that it's all built in. It's like, a, it's like a, the iPhone of telescopes. You bring, you bring it out, you set it down, you push a button that aligns itself, and then it can start taking pictures of these deep sky objects that, again, you can't do with a normal telescope without a lot of effort. And you can watch it. It takes time. It takes, in some cases, 30 or 40 or longer minutes 
to get a good image of a galaxy, but you, you can watch on your iPhone or iPad as it builds it. And the first image is like black, and then it gets a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And you see this galaxy building, and it's just a really cool way to see the night sky. I've never seen anything like it. And literally I got, they sent me the, this example. And within five minutes, I was like taking a picture of the M31 galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy. So it's really amazing. I think it's going to revolutionize. It's going to allow people to go look at the night sky and see things that you just can't see um, without going on the Hubble website. Here's an image they can see. Actually, our production team, they got that picture of uh, the, the uh, Vulcan symbol up in space. They can show that now. <laughs> that is that is super cool. Well, look, so you've already been up there. You've been looking down at us on Earth for 213 days, plus the other <laughs> missions that you've yeah. been up there. So what does the man who's already seen everything look for on a telescope? Where, where would you be looking in the universe? Where would you point this thing? So that's one of the beauties. They have an app. So you, like I said, on your iPhone or, or iPad or whatever is how you control it. And it's organized by planets and galaxies and nebula, and, or you can look in different constellations. So it knows that it's December, it's 10 p.m. It knows what to look for. It knows what stuff because, you know, things down below the Earth are not going to be very interesting because you can't see them. So it gives you this menu of nebula, um, uh, I did the Dumbbell Nebula recently, the M31, uh, the, the M13, the, the star cluster. There's like a million stars all grouped together in this ball of stars. It's pretty cool. So I've, I've got about four or five things that I do. I, I need to take it out, but it's been like cloudy and rainy. So I need to get another sunny night to take it out or not sunny night, a clear night. Yeah, I get, I get your, your. Uh, it, I mean, you're geeked out by looking at the stars and checking out all these different yeah. celestial bodies and deep space objects, et cetera. But talk about the passion of of bringing this uh, and the importance of bringing astronomy to everybody, the general yeah, public, the youth. Right. You know what's amazing? Um, on Earth, you just don't see stuff out there. So when I was on the space station, you could turn the lights off, let your eyes adjust, and look out. And there's a billion stars out there. I mean, there's so many stars you just can't imagine. And I was able to see it because I was not on the planet anymore. And you can see those things from Earth. You just need a little bit of effort. Like I said, if you get, get a fancy telescope and you learn how to do astrophotography and you take hours and hours and hours of time, you can figure out how to do it. And this is what Valonis has brought to everybody is you don't need to take all that effort. That's like overhead, right? You don't need to spend all the overhead to see these things. You can just set this like mini observatory in your backyard um, and look up and see it's amazing what's out there. Like you, you just can't believe these galaxies and um, clusters and, you know, these stars that exploded thousands of years ago. And when you look with this telescope, what you're, you're not only looking far away, you're also looking back in time because the light that's coming in is thousands, or in some cases, in the galaxy's case, they're millions of years old. Pretty cool. It's like a time machine. That's mind-blowing to think about. In fact, we are going to give one of these away right now to someone who registered for this event. Are wow. you guys ready for it? Are you ready? Yeah. Are yeah. you ready? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. It's Gen Venturing cool. Molo Solutions. Gen Venturing, you have <laughs> won the telescope. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today at this event. We'll be back after the break. God bless you, sir. Happy holidays. Thank you. Awesome.